Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Chaldean Priest Show. Please don't forget to rate this podcast, leave a comment if you would like, and let's get started with a few things I want to mention about the Chaldean liturgy. All right. I'm sure I'm not the only one that had a busy weekend, right? You guys probably all had either busy weekends or did stuff, whatever you may have done. But I hope you all went to church. That's what I hope for. Um, if you didn't, you can see me for confession if you live in San Diego. If not, obviously visit your local Catholic priest who can provide you the sacraments of reconciliation. And yes, it is a mortal sin to miss Mass on Sundays. You guys obviously have not heard me speak about the Padres for a few weeks now, and look, I don't want to talk about it, okay? They got knocked out of the playoffs, and there's no hope for them this season, but I'm optimistic about next season because Jace Tingler, our manager, was fired very recently, and I mean, best wishes to him in his future, but I hope that's what the problem was. Now, if it wasn't, we have a bigger problem on our hands. But, yeah, this should just be a baseball podcast. <laughs> but I don't know how I would be able to relate the Chaldean liturgy to baseball. My old professor, actually, he's a theologian. He, he had a funny joke. It was a quasi-theological joke about baseball, but I forgot what that was. But if I remember it by the time I record my next podcast episode, I'll be sure to mention that because I'm sure you guys would love to hear a joke about theology and baseball, right? (laughs) So the premise of this episode for today is vocations. Now, listen, before you stop listening, before you exit out of this app, I want you to know something, okay? This podcast episode relates to everyone. Because when people hear the word vocations, for some reason, they just think about either being a nun or being a priest or being a monk, okay? That is not, I mean, that's part of what a vocation is. That can be a vocation, but that's not the totality of what a vocation is, okay? There are different kinds of vocations, okay? And there's, I don't want to call them sub-vocations, but like, for example... If you're a priest, right, you're obviously called to the priesthood, that is your vocation. But then there are some priests that, for example, they devote their times uh, feeding the homeless, stuff like that. Whereas some priests have another, their vocation is being a priest, but they, for example, serve at a local parish. So you can see what I mean by that. But this podcast episode can relate to everyone, whether you want to be a priest, a nun, a monk, a married person, a consecrated virgin, whatever it may be. This is going to relate to everyone. And I hope it won't not only relate to you, but it will also help you to live out that vocation with more fruition, right? We want to have an efficacious vocation, one that shakes the world, where we become the salt of the earth that Jesus talks about. And a few things that I'm going to go through right now are things from the Chaldean liturgy. So you're going to see how the Chaldean liturgy, for example, the way the Chaldean liturgy sees marriage. So I'm going to be uh, 
pulling some excerpts out of the Chaldean rite of holy matrimony and uh, holy ordination, things like that. So you can see with the eyes of the Chaldean church. And I'll tell you, I'll be the first to tell you that I probably have never read anything so poetic, so theological, so philosophical, so deep, really penetrating the heart of a person when it comes to these prayers. And I want you to listen to this podcast with an open mind, whether you're already married, whether you're not, maybe you're dating someone, whether you're discerning the priesthood, whatever it may be. Listen to this with an open heart, and I really think it will be able to um, change your perspective on the way you're looking at your current state of life, okay? So why don't we get started? So a sacramental theologian uh, by the name of Roger Nutt, he has a section in one of his books, General Principles of Sacramental Theology. And what he's talking about is different elements of the sacraments. And when he starts speaking about the necessity of the sacraments, he quotes something from Lumen Gentium. And he says this, Very often, deceived by the evil one, Men have become vain in their reasonings and have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and served the creature rather than the creator or else living and dying in this world without God. They are exposed to ultimate despair. So this is really shocking, right? Because what Lumen Gentium, what the church is talking about here is not only how important um, understanding the sacraments are, but actually receiving them as they should be. So that's the whole point here, is like he said, like Lumen Gentium says, people start serving the creature rather than the creator because of the sort of ignorance that the evil one uh, instills in a person where there becomes false reasoning and illogical um, arguments that go about the mind of a person. But the end of this, I mean, I think it brings everything together, right? Living and dying in this world without God. So where we find God, so we don't, so we all want to avoid despair, right? Which human being wants to fall into despair? No one does. But where we find God are in these sacraments. But it's not just receiving a sacrament. And I'm going to bug you with a bunch of canon law because I'm in a canon law program, and um, it's fun for me. So you know how much pressure canon law puts on a priest um, to prepare a, an engaged couple to get married? I mean, it's in canon law that says a priest is required and must, right, by his very vocation to prepare the couple properly to receive the sacraments of holy matrimony, going through all of the steps necessary for them to receive that sacrament. And for example, one of them is marriage preparation. Do they know what the sacrament is, right? And the other things are all basically administrative stuff, but the law of the church requires a priest to, know, to communicate that with a couple. But then again, you have the other hand, right? Where the couple is required also to know what that is, because they're the ones receiving the sacrament. So with whatever vocation you're headed towards, 
the idea is to be open and to understand what a sacrament is, right, by its very nature. But then again, so now that we have that, we can turn towards, okay, what is my vocation? How could someone know their vocation? Now, this is the million-dollar question because I talk to many people about this. Many people approach me, Father, I don't know what I want to be. I don't know what my vocation is in life. Should I look for a sign? I'll answer that right now. No, right? Because God doesn't work with signs. I mean, I'm sure I'm not going to disqualify that by saying no one that's ever existed has received a sign. I don't know. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But I'm just telling you what Jesus says, right? Do not wait for signs. So it's not like you're going to hear the voice of God um, just come out of nowhere and say, oh, I want you to marry this person. No, that's not how it works. I actually have a funny story. So I was discerning the priesthood for a very long time. And I remember I went on a retreat and the priest that uh, served at this parish, he, um, he was a rector of the seminary. And, you know, I was talking to him for years uh, to join the seminary uh, to, you know, see if that's my vocation, to become a priest, this, that. So I remember we were on this retreat and he was in the room next door to me, but the door was closed and I didn't know anyone was in there. And I'm in the kitchen. I don't know what I was doing. I think we're on a retreat. Um, <laughs> then I heard him saying, uh, you know, this is the voice of God. <laughs> I want you to become a priest. Something, you know, silly like that. I opened the door and it was him. And, you know, we joked about it right after that. But you should not wait for signs, okay? That's what you shouldn't do. Okay, let's say you're discerning the priesthood, okay? How would someone know if that is their vocation to become a, to become a priest. So it could be a variety of things. One is if you have an extraordinary interest in serving the church, okay, that could be one thing. Um, the second thing could be, you know, if you've been given talents that could work with being a priest at a church, right? So you see where your, where your talents are and what vocation they could apply with. Right? So remember what Thomas Aquinas says grace perfects nature, right? So God gives us his grace and he perfects who we are. So he gives us also these talents by his grace in order to be good members of the body of Christ, but to also uh, live to our vocation that he called us to. Okay? So it could also be very practical, this application of it. Now, Let's say you do have the characteristics and the talents to become a priest. Okay, you join the seminary. Joining the seminary doesn't mean you're going to be a priest. No, it means that you have an interest of the priesthood. You're going into the seminary to be formed into the seminary, and you see where that takes you. You know, you're walking with Christ during that time. Now, uh, that basic principle applies to the religious life, you know, whether you want to be a monk or a nun, you see your personality, you see your characteristics, you see your talents, and you see where that would fit in. Okay, then you have the different vocation of the married life. Who am I going to marry? Million dollar question, right? 
So the first thing I would say to someone, if they would ask me, how do I know this is a person that God wants me to marry? Basic thing I would start with is asking them, can this person help you become a saint? If not, then we have some problems. If yes, then we could move forward to the other questions where you understand what the caliber of marriage is. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to comment on something from the Chaldean rite of marriage. Um, And this is such a beautiful prayer that the priest says upon the groom and bride as he's crowning them with these very elegant crowns on their heads. He says this, Clothe, O Lord, our God, your betrothed, the holy church, with the garment of your glory and the crown of your majesty. So first, this author of this prayer is directing it towards the church and how this church, the beauty, the bride of Christ, should be crowned. Okay, so he starts with that, then he moves on. Through the crowns which are which we are placing now upon the heads of the groom and bride, make them worthy for the honor of your glory, that they may become the heads of their household, thus being crowned with your mercies. So this groom and bride are being crowned with the same crown as being crowned that the church is being crowned with. Then he goes on, gladden them in their loving union as you gladden the just who pleased you from of old, for you are the bridegroom of the gracious bride adorned with spiritual beauty, Lord of all, forever. So this couple is being, is given honor from the church because it's an honorable thing to be the head of the household. And look at where the source of this honor is. It only comes from the church. The graces of Christ and the sacraments are what makes a husband and a wife honorable and what gives them their position as being husband and wife and as the husband, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, being the image of Christ in his household and the bride being the image of man also in the household in which these two work synchronously in order to have a holy household where saints come forth from it. Okay, so that goes back to my initial question for that person who would ask me, how do I know this is the person I want to marry? Well, is this person going to help you to understand your position as being honorable in the household and giving you the dignity that Christ gives you if you were to be married as being the image of man and then vice versa, right? So in a nutshell, in order to know what your vocation is in life and who God wants you to marry and who he doesn't want you to marry, so on and so forth, means that we need to tap into the mind of God. And the only way to do that is to grow in our love for him through prayer. So all of this requires sacrifice. Our vocation won't just fall from the sky and fall on our laps and then we know exactly what our vocation is. No, we need to work towards it. Any vocation requires sacrifice and anyone that 
we think we want, if it's the vocation of uh, the married life, then we need to pray for a future spouse, or not we, you need to, if you're called to that, pray for your future spouse, even if you have no idea who it is. You pray for them, and you show God that you're making an effort to unite yourself, unite your will with His. And sometimes it'll be ugly, and sometimes it'll be easy, sometimes it'll feel like your world is falling apart, but at the end of the day, Christ is walking with you towards his vocation if you allow him to walk with you. And this reminds me of the journey to Emmaus, right? Where Cleopas and the other disciple are walking with Christ away from Jerusalem. And the only time they were able to notice him while he was walking with them, that entire distance, until they sat at table, right? They ate the Eucharist with Christ, and then their eyes were opened. That's what the scripture says in the gospel of Luke. Their eyes were opened, but it wasn't until then. So I encourage all of you, really, to try your best to make more sacrifices in life that would help you flourish in your relationship with Christ, whether it's going to daily mass, whether it's starting a rosary, whether it's starting a novena, praying uh, the Chaldean evening and morning prayers, night prayers, you could find that on the Emmanuel Chaldean app on Android and Apple. Um, and doing so- stuff like that, you know, works of charity, obviously, not missing a beat with uh, Sunday Masses. But that's my spiel. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, let's get to the lines then. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what the Lion's Den segment is, is it's my segment of controversial topics, hot topics that are happening now, um, hence the segment Lion's Den, where Daniel is in the Lion's Den, and he's there because of certain controversial things that are happening, uh, interpreting dreams and whatnot. Um, but because of his faith, he was not eaten by the lions while he was in the den. It's a great book in the Old Testament. I encourage all of you to read it. It's not because my name is Father Daniel. Okay, so the topic for this segment is not leaving Mass early. And I know I stress this so much, but it's a big pet peeve of mine. Imagine you going to someone's house, you're invited for dinner, and they bring the dinner plates, and they bring all the food, put it on the table, you say a prayer, and then... The second you take the first bite of the meal, you tell everyone, sorry guys, I gotta go, I have something I gotta get to, okay, bye. And then you rush out, you actually run out, you run to your car, and then you zoom away. And that's pretty similar with what people do when they leave Mass right after receiving communion. You see them, you know, kind of nonchalantly making sure, you know, no one's looking, they slip right out of the door and then rush to their cars and leave so that either they could beat traffic or find their spot at the beach. Or you have the other people who have no shame in it, just casually walk right out and um, go to their business, whatever it may be. But here, here's a big difference. You're invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb, where the priest is offering a sacrifice 
to God on behalf of the Son, where you receive salvation itself in your hearts through the Eucharist. We receive that. And by us leaving Mass early, what, are you th- what do you think we're showing God in our actions? Because you guys obviously know who the first person to leave Mass early was. The person that denied Christ and sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. It was Judas. He left early to go betray his Lord. And if that's different, any different with anyone else leaving Mass early, please, I challenge you to let me know, and I'd love to have that discussion with you. So this is my episode for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Please do not forget to rate this podcast, leave a comment if you would like, But until then, as always, see you next time.